Welcome back to another edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by Manscaped.com. I'm delighted to be joined once again by the brilliant Adrian Clark. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good evening, and welcome back to another live edition of the podcast. I'm Harry Simu, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by the brilliant Adrian Clark. Adrian, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you, first of all? Yeah, good evening, Harry. Yeah, I'm all right. Not too bad. Yeah, it's uh, it was disappointing, wasn't it, last night? So, yeah, went to bed feeling a bit bit grumpy. Had to watch the match all over again this morning and uh, and put the breakdown together, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's done now. We can put it to bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We're gonna try and unpack it uh, as best as we can here tonight. And of course, um, the good thing about doing this the day after is that you do get some time to reflect. Some of the emotion comes out of it. Um, you know, I did a live stream as soon as the game ended last night, maybe 20, 30 minutes after the full time whistle, and I found it really hard to to keep my to keep a lid on my emotions and when i watched it back this morning i thought you know what i might have been a little bit ott on some of that stuff so i'm <laughs> glad that we're doing this tonight yeah, um, it happens yeah. yeah exactly exactly um right first of all adrian what were your sort of overall thoughts on the performance because we've heard a lot of people kind of saying pretty decent first half second half though we weren't quite at the races what did you make of the overall display yeah, yeah, it was a game of two halves, no doubt about it. I thought in the first half, it was pretty hard to criticise too much of what Arsenal were doing. I mean, let's put it bluntly, Lacazette misses an absolute open goal. That, that, that should be one goal. VAR opts to not intervene for the opener, which was a disgrace in my opinion. It was, you know, he, he was two or three yards behind Kasper Michael. He wasn't interfering with his view or his dive. It's a terrible decision. And so, so we should be 2-0 up at half-time, and deservedly so. 11 shots, just one shot against, and that shot was from about 50 yards from James Madison after Leno came out and gave gave him the ball. So now I thought, I thought first half, 8 out of 10. You know, it, it was it was decent enough. Um, but second half, was it, we just didn't get going at all. It was, it was so flat, so low-key. And, and, and less. I think what happened is Brendan Rodgers... Worked out a way to to cope with what Arsenal were throwing at them. He tweaked one or two things. His players got more confident, and uh, uh, and, and there was clearly a game plan there to to try and exploit Granit Xhaka when he drops in to become that third centre half, and and that ultimately proved to be the difference. So yeah, look, the, the second half was 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 pretty miserable. We, you know, I think we, we all watched it. Nothing really happened. There was just that one chance, wasn't there, from, from Hector Bayern? Yeah, I mean, it's been quite a common thing of late that people seem to talk about when discussing Arsenal. And that is the, you know, the lack of creativity, the fact that we're struggling to create chances with any kind of regularity, with the fluency that I guess as Arsenal fans we've become used to yeah. in, in recent years. What do you put that down to 
specifically because yeah. for me there, there are a number of issues but i've spoken to death about it in recent weeks so i want mm. i want to hear what you <laughs> well, think on it <laughs> yeah i haven't heard all of those all of those opinions so yeah yeah um well i've just come with mine i mean i feel that we're, we're far too reliant on on the front three and and and, and let's be honest like I said, at Aubameyang, even though they're good pals, they've not really been noted for their link-up play, for setting one another up with a, with a glut of chances. And I wouldn't say, even though Lacazette can link play, neither are, are particularly creative. And, and that just leaves Bukayo Saka, who's, who's been in good form. And he has been creating chances and, and having plenty of shots himself. The, the issue for me is, is from behind. Uh, Yesterday there was a huge reliance on the wing backs who both played well actually. I thought that, that, that they were they were excellent. Tierney, particularly in the first half, Hector Bayer in, I thought continued his decent form. But again, they're not known for their combination play. They weren't there they weren't too many link-ups inside the final third. It was all let's get the ball wide. And then the front five were quite flat. There were not many angles, hardly any one-twos. The combination play was was slow and, and and borderline non-existent, really. The issue, I think, for me, is what we do with the midfield. And and in this game, we had sort of a back two when we had the ball. And then the three in front, who spread really wide. Xhaka to the left, Spiles yeah. to the right, and, and Thomas Partey in the middle. And that was the big problem for me last night and the disappointment. Three Our three best passes. I don't think there's too, much, too many people that would argue with that from the starting eleven. Taking away David Lewis, who had a bit of a blinder yeah. with his distribution. Um, but you know, our three best passers, not not once did they did they join in really inside the final 25, 30 yards. Everything they did was from deep or from wide. Uh, and it was usually a safe pass to a wide man. Um, and, and it was then leave it up to them to, to make something happen. So so yeah, it, it was. That I think is a, is a, is a big problem. We need a lot more than the centre of the pitch. We need those angles, those combinations. We need that third midfielder, whoever it is, take turns. We need them to join in and, and to knit play together because everything is a bit slow and predictable. We go, we funnel wide, we take a touch, we take another touch, and we come back inside, and, and we're just not pulling teams uh, out of position. If you think about the best chances we had yesterday. They were either from switches of play from David Luiz, quick switches of yep. play, or or they were from transitions that started in the middle third where we swept up the pitch relatively quickly. And, and that's the kind of team we are at the moment. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of work to be done in my view. I mean, for me, Adrian, when I saw the team sheet come out and, you know, we looked at the team, I think we all recognised that prior to Thomas Partey's arrival, actually maybe Mikel Arteta felt that he couldn't, be that little bit more expansive, that little bit more ambitious because he didn't feel that he had the midfield necessarily to do that. When Partey came in, I think a lot of us thought, right, now we're going to probably start seeing Arsenal transition into something more like what Mikel Arteta wants. And, and as I said, when the team come out, you know, I, I was very aware that I think Granit Xhaka is probably going to drop into that left centre-back role when Arsenal are under pressure, maybe without possession. But I was really disappointed to having seen the way Leicester set up, and it was clear from the first minute what Leicester's intentions were, mm. I was a little bit disappointed that Arsenal weren't braver 
in the sense of pushing Granit Xhaka into that midfield as well, mm. trying to create a bit of an overload and a, and a few more angles. Yeah, no, look, I, I don't disagree. I, I, th- I was watching the game myself quite intently uh, on the breakdown live and I, and I kept seeing Granit dropping into this centre-back position and he had no one to mark, really. It was almost forcing Dennis Pratt, who was the sort of closest to him, to go and push on to him, really. There was no need for it. So, yeah, I, I felt like it was over, overthought a little bit, maybe from, from the coaching staff. It's clearly come up with a plan and a, a way of playing. But but the match itself didn't really suit that style. I certainly think that we could have had the three in there and, and just trusted the entrusted them to protect the, the two centre-halves. And, and as you rightly point out, we could have that overload. And from there, you've got at least two midfielders in there. And that allows that that third one, whether it's Party or whether it's uh, Ceballos or even Jacker himself, it allows that, that, that third wheel to go and join in with the Lacazette, to go and make a run, to, to make an angle higher up the pitch, to drag one of the Leicester City players into an area of the pitch where they don't really want to go. And, and we didn't do that. We, we we sort of played in a really flat line, spread across the pitch. And, look, it, you know, I, I understand the tactic and, and, and it, it, you know, it helps us play out from the back quite smoothly, but but we didn't hurt Leicester City enough. Yeah. Um, too much of our possession were, were, were nothing passes, really. They were just, you know, sideways passes. You need more penetration. And I think that's why I was disappointed that Thomas Partey didn't didn't have more of the ball. Granite seemed to have sort of almost twice as much, if not more. Yeah. And Thomas Partey, and, 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 and when Partey gets it, I always get the feeling he wants to go forward, that ideally he wants to ping a ball, you know, into a player ahead of him. And, and, and that was a great frustration last night. What's your take on on Alexander Lacazette? Because, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of goal-scoring form, he's had a decent start to the season. Mm-hmm. I think it's three goals in five Premier League appearances um, from just glancing at it earlier on. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's taken a lot of criticism from, from some of the Arsenal fans. Look, there was certainly one chance <sighs> last night that he should have put in the back of the net. There's no question about that. But do you feel a little bit of sympathy for Lacazette playing in this sort of number nine role where he's essentially at times been having to deal with three center halves. Mm. There's not much movement in and around him. The the distribution towards him is, is not, I would say at the level that it needs to be. Do you think that those who are criticizing Alexander Lacazette are maybe being a little bit harsh? I do. Yeah. I mean, on my timeline, I I was, I was uh, copied in on the Arsenal timeline during the game, which was, Absolute carnage. <laughs> so, and Alexander Lacazette was, yeah, he, he didn't want to be reading some of the messages that were, that were popping up, let me tell you. But um, no, he, should, he scored. He scored a very good goal from a corner and and, and that goal should have stood. We've covered that. Um, it was an open goal. It was a really bad miss and it's unlike him to, to miss something like that. It, it, what I like about him is that Alexander Lacazette doesn't hide. He, he'll battle and he'll drop in and he'll, he'll work for the team. Um, and he is a he is a good finisher, um, but he is feeding off scraps at the moment. We, you're right; he's got he's very isolated in the middle there. He's having to do a lot of donkey work as well, dropping in. He's not able to play on the last man in, 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 with the demands that that Mikel uh, puts on him without the ball. So he's often not as far up the pitch as, as perhaps he'd, he'd like to be. And and yeah, it's a difficult one. Yeah, I think I think in it in a team that was more free-flowing, that was quicker with its distribution. 
um, he he would get better chances and would score more goals. I have to say, a, a lot of a lot of fans are, are bemoaning a lack of creativity, but it's it's not about one player. It's not about the system as such or a shape. You know, for me, one of the problems for Arsenal at the moment is 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 in freedom. Uh, or, or a lack of freedom, really. Yeah. I just feel that they're playing slightly restricted and 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 playing in a, in, a, in almost a pre-planned mode. What I think this team really needs is to is to play with a touch more spot of spontaneity and uh, and uh, an ambition, really. A bit of boldness. Just take it, take more risks, and then I really feel that Lacazette would would come into his own again. I, I think he is our number one striker, but. In the grand scheme of things, you know, you you do wonder should the club have been looking maybe at bringing in another striker as an option, or or in the next window, will that be will that turn out to be a priority? Because it it isn't clicking at the moment. Should they have been looking at maybe a different type of striker, someone who maybe is a little bit more of a. I don't want to say him because obviously he's left the club now, but somebody in the the Olivier Giroud mould, I know there's not many around anymore, but somebody who, you know, when you're, you're seeing Arsenal almost having to go out wide constantly Mm. to, to create spaces and opportunities, but then you're throwing the ball into the penalty area. I mean, I said it on the, on the stream last night, somebody like Johnny Evans, he'll happily stand on the edge of his six yard box all night and head balls away. But we don't, and it's not a criticism of Lacazette because you are what you are, but we don't have that physical presence in there, in my opinion, that allows us to put the ball in the box. And equally, when the ball does get up to Lacazette, does it stick long enough for you, for people to get up alongside him? I think he can hold the ball up. Last night, it got a bit ragged with him. It wasn't his best game in terms of of, of the way he held the ball up. He was up against some some informed defenders. They, they had a good game. You know, Fafana and Evans were, were excellent. Last night, um, I, I do think it's an oversight. It's a, it's a shortfall in the squad makeup not to have yeah. a taller centre forward. I, I really do, because um, yeah, that the amount of play that we funnel out wide, uh, and, and we're looking, we're asking the wing backs to deliver quality. And, and Kieran Tierney is one of the best in the business when it comes to that. Then yeah, to, to have no real experts in terms of, of scoring headed goals in the boxes. Yeah, it's disappointing, I think. And, and that's something that, that definitely needs to be looked at. Olivier Giroud as well, by the way, was was very good at linking up with runners, with a number 10 yeah. or with a box-to-box guy. Aaron Ramsey in particular worked brilliantly with, with Olivier Giroud. Now, Olivier could play in this team all night long and have no one to link with the way the way it's yeah. going at the moment. No one is joining in. That is the, that is the big frustration. If we're going to play with those three in midfield, and and it looks like we are becoming a four three three team. They've got to take if it's not down to one guy, then they've got to take turns at joining in as a matter of course to support the centre forward. To have this the the setup at the moment is almost it's this five five, isn't it? Two two at the back, yeah. three midfielders in front, and then your five up front. It's something that Pep's worked on many times at City. It's a it's a common thing for me. You need a sixth. That's when things start to happen, and uh, and and that is why I, I would you know urge one of Sabios or Jack or a party to 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 just join in because I think it could make the world of difference. Do you think that the kind of 
I don't want to call it criticism, but the conversations that are going on in and amongst the fan base and in the media at the moment about this lack of creativity, about the Arsenal playing with this lack of freedom at the moment. Do you think that will have any impact on Mikel Arteta or do you think he's strong-minded <laughs> enough to kind of go tunnel vision and yeah. stick with what he thinks and, and continue? Yeah. Well, I don't know Mikel personally, so so I can't answer with any great certainty. I get the impression that he's, he's fairly single-minded in, in his approach. He's very sure of his own ideas. He's a really smart guy. He's, a, he's an yeah. excellent tactic. He's got a great tactical brain. And, and you've got to remember that he, he's watching these games back. You know, I've watched it. I've watched it twice now. I think you probably have as well. Um, Mikel will at least watch it twice, probably a third time. We think various things broken down. He, he'll be able to see what we see, surely. I mean, he, he, he knows his football. So it, it's what he's going to do about it. Is he too married or wedded to the system? Potentially, you, you could level that accusation at, at the moment. I'd like to think that he'll show, show a bit more flexibility. The ideas are good because it, it, in coaching terms, he's looking at occupying the five lanes of attack with the wing backs um, out wide and then inside them, Aubameyang and, and Bakayo Saka, getting into those positions that you want them to be in, really. But but it's you've got to have a little bit more than that. It's a, it's a touch too too predictable in my opinion so so he's got to look at that for, for, for instance Danny Ceballos when he was pulling wide to the to the right I, I don't think we gained that much obviously Hector Bayering got in a few times but but could could Hector not have been in the Ceballos position with you know Aubameyang or Saka pushed on you know still pushed on and still involved and we could join in someone down the middle, you know, Bamiyang out wide or Saka out wide in in that sort of widish lane there. It, it just felt to me as if, um, I, I used this phrase last night and I, I don't like to use it, but it was a little bit like painting with numbers, you know, football with numbers. It, it's like, this is the way we're going to build our attacks. This is the way we're going to construct them. And 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 when it works, it, it looks great. But, but the thing is, opposition teams have smart people of their own. They have you know, yeah, intelligent exactly. footballers and they have good coaches. And Brendan Rodgers is a good tactician. And I think he just worked out a way to nullify it. And, and that's partly why the second half was was so insipid. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you about sort of, you know, elite coaches at this level, they're going to work things out, you know. Mm. And, and maybe one of the things I would maybe say about Mikel Arteta, particularly in that game at Manchester City, because I know we haven't spoken since then, mm. I felt like he was so adamant that he had to spring some form of surprise on Pep Guardiola, mm. having got one over him in the FA Cup, mm. that he overcomplicated it a little bit with mm. the whole Willian at centre-forward mm. thing. Yeah. And I feel like you're right. You know, we, we used to look at Manchester United before... Um, when Jose Mourinho was there and we used to look at certain players and say, if he just takes the shackles off of these players, we'll see a difference. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comes in, takes the shackles off of Pogba, if you like, mm. and they saw the benefit immediately. Mm. But there's a balance to be found between mm. being sort of organised, pragmatic, defensively sound yeah. and allowing that creativity to flow through the side as well. And that's the hardest thing to find, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely, Harry. Yeah, look... There isn't an Arsenal fan around that didn't want the team to be more tactically structured, didn't want the team to be more disciplined, exactly. didn't want the team to be more defensively solid. Arteta's brought that. Okay, it's not perfect, but it's a miles better than it used to be. Now, at the moment, that's 
that's come with a sacrifice and the sacrifice is the freedom, the free flowing attacks. Now you can have both. You absolutely can have both, but it's a case of, I think freeing the players' minds up a little bit right now. I just get the feeling, you know, I've played for coaches that that fill your mind with a lot of tactical instructions, and and it can it can inhibit you. It, it can work. It can be very effective for the team, but it's particularly with forward players who think, All right, I've got to be here. Or I've got to do this job. I've got, you know, this, this is where I'm supposed to be at this point. It it can ha- have a detrimental effect because I think. One of the reasons, you know, one of the reasons we love football is is because it's unpredictable, and 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 mo- many many goals come from spontaneous acts, don't they? Come from just moments where someone takes a chance, they just go for it, they take a player on, they open up space, and boom, it's in the back of the net. It, it just feels at the moment that, that that yes, in general, the team, maybe the coaching staff as well, are just sort of overthinking it, overanalyzing it. I'd, I'd love the players to, to play with a bit more, not gay abandon as such, but but inside the opposition half, just have a bit of fun. Just, you've used the term release the shackles. Arsene Wenger would say, take the handbrake off. It's it's just one of those where inside the final 30, 35 yards of the pitch, you know what? Express yourself. Express express yourself. That's that's yeah. a, that's a perfect, perfect uh, term to use. And, and, and so what if a Bamiyang pops up in this position or Lacazette ends up wide. I, I, when Aubameyang played played uh, as the lone striker in the Emery uh, regime, was it, yeah, also under yeah. under finger for a bit, um, he would often pull out wide and then it would leave space for, for a midfielder or the, or the the opposite wide forward to, to get into the box. And we're not really seeing that at the moment either, are we? I'd like to see more interchanging of positions, basically more angles being created. And... That brings us to the next point, and that's and that's speed of movement. You can you can have a great plan, you can have the right angles, you can have those interchanging of positions. But if everything's done two or three touch slowly, you're not going to pull anyone out of position. It's yeah. about dragging opponents, out, you know, out of where they want to be. That's why William didn't work as a false nine. Um, not because false nines are rubbish, not because Williams a bad player. What happened was he just he was a little bit lost because he's not he's not played that role before. What he should have done is is he's really stayed up on the centre halves and then when Arsenal were building up play, then pull off of them into pockets to then make them think, right, do I come with him or not? And what yeah. he did, he just ended up being a, an extra midfielder and, and the two centre halves or three centre halves just had their pipe and slippers out and said, oh, this is an easy game. So, yeah, it's it, it's about doing things quickly and intelligently. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about that. Um, just a quick reminder to everybody who's watching us live, if you haven't already, make sure you smash that like button on whichever platform it is you are joining us from. It is so, so important. And if you haven't already and you are new, please subscribe to the channel, guys. We are around about, I think, when I last looked, around about 80 subscribers away from hitting the 10K mark on YouTube alone, which is amazing. Um, the growth in the last three or four months has been incredible. So please, if you are new to the channel and you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button, help us get there. And as I said previously, we'll be giving away an Arsenal home shirt. Um, once we hit that 10K mark, we'll be running a competition. Um, so looking forward to doing that and giving that to 
a lucky winner. Um, right, Adrian, it's that time of the show where I'm going to put to you some of our listener questions. Oh, um, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> whenever, whenever we announce that Adrian's coming on, the, the, the inbox fills up with questions. So I'm, I'm very oh, much good. looking forward. Yeah. yeah, it is great. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to picking out a few um, to put to you now. Um, yeah. Right, this one comes from uh john stone not stones stone um, and he says um if you were in charge adrian <laughs> would you play Ober through the middle or lacquer um right now ahead of the next game i would pick a bamiang down the middle yes i would um just to just to try something different to to have yeah to give the opposition something new to think about when I mean, we're playing manchester manchester united of course harry Maguire. i don't think relishes um yeah, clever movement, you know, pacing behind. I think a Bamiang would, would offer that. I, I, I do like a Bamiang on the left side. He's, he, you know, he's been been one of the best left-sided forwards on the planet, really, for the last year or so. But yeah, for me, I would I would go to to a Bamiang up top, and then who would you have around him? Well, that's that's open to debate. I think it, it depends on who's who's fit and available. At the weekend, Saka certainly would be one of my wide guys. Um, possibly, yeah, it'd probably come down to William or, or, or Pepe for the other slot. If William's fit, I'd probably give him a go. Cool, good stuff. Um, we've got a question from Tony who says, What's up with Nicolas Pepe? Has he been a 72 million pound flop, or is there a player in there? Oh, there's definitely a player in there. Definitely a player. I mean, you've seen some of his goals, right? I mean, he, he can drop a shoulder and bend them in the top corner. His deliveries, when he when he does, does get them on the money, are, are, are unplayable. He's got a great left foot, very skillful. But but yeah, look, we can all see with our own eyes, he, he's not quite delivered on the price tag so far. He's not been anywhere near consistent enough to nail down a regular place, has he? Which is Which is deeply... Um, disturbing, really, and 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 it must it must be a, a source of great frustration for him as well. So I, you've got to persist with him. I mean, you've got. I, I think he needs more game time. I would certainly be playing him as a matter of course in the Europa League at the moment, just to get get his form up. Yeah, because because I do feel that if he feels wanted now, it's hard. It's a really difficult one for Arteta because I get the feeling that. Nicola Pepe is a player that wants the old arm around the shoulder. He wants to feel loved. He wants to feel like he's a really yeah. important player. And But you've got to earn that. You can't just be picked on that basis alone. You've got to deliver. And I don't think he's delivered well enough for Mikel to, to keep on picking him and to give him that confidence. So it's a really tough situation. And um, all I'll say is just stick with him. Let's support Nicola Pepe. Don't, don't get on his back too much. And, and let's just hope he can fulfill his promise. Like, it, it might not work out. There is that chance. And if it doesn't, we'll, we'll move on from it. But, but I still believe he can come good, but is he going to be turn into a legend in that position, you know, like, a, I don't know, Robert Perez. It's not looking like that at the moment, is it? No, it isn't. You're right. But I do agree with you that there there is a player in there. Mm. I also agree with you that he looks like someone that needs, and it's not, it's not Molly, what was it, was it called? Molly, Molly Codd, Codd. Is, that, is yeah. that the word? Um, it's not that. It's just some players, they, mm. They need to feel wanted. They need mm. to feel like they're they're important and they're part of the team. And I, yeah. we we touched on it earlier on. I think it's so difficult for 
not just the forwards, but for everybody, because mm. there has been quite a bit of chopping and changing yeah. with the side. And that was one of the things that I didn't like about Unai Emery's Arsenal, that it was so, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen from week to week. Mm. In Emery's case, we were seeing different systems as well, mm. um, which was a little bit unsettling. Like, There's a lot to be said for, for just continuity, isn't it? Do you think like sometimes, and not just in Mikel Arteta's case, but in general, that sometimes coaches overthink things and football is overcomplicated definitely yeah no 100% that happens and 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 managers and coaches can feed players with too much information I used to hate it you know I like information now I like analyzing football but as a football as a player I <coughs> excuse me I preferred um drink of water I'm <coughs> losing no my voice <laughs> busy night last night <laughs> <coughs> absolutely I've yeah, done a lot of talking um as a player, I was spontaneous and I wanted to, to have a bit of freedom. And 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 there is that possible argument that Nicola Pepe is, is that kind of player. He just improvises with his brilliant skill and he, he just has to play naturally. Now, under Mikel Arteta, it feels like, I'm not saying that he's not allowing the players to play their natural games, but, but there's certainly a structure that they have to work within. And some players can handle that much easier than others. Bukayo Saka, for example, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, seem to be able to absorb the information and still play in a pretty free way. Um, but for others, they might clam up and, and start to worry whether they're doing the right thing. And uh, yeah, maybe there come a point, a conversation in the next uh, week or two where where they might just say, look, don't worry so much about the the, the demands. Just go and enjoy yourself. And, and maybe then we'll see the best of him. Yeah, fingers crossed. We we all agree. There's there is talent there. Mm. He is someone that could certainly impact games, um, but just clearly the confidence is not quite a hundred percent at the moment. <clears throat> um, this one comes from Trev, and Trev asks, "Would you like to <clears throat> see Bukayo Saka play as one of the traditional midfield three? Do you think that would add the creativity <clears throat> that this Arsenal side is missing?" He could do it for sure. He could absolutely do it. I think. He could, he could have done it. I mean, you could go with Partey and 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 Sabias one side and and Saka the other. I do think Saka's better on the left. I, I feel he's much more natural there. So I wouldn't want him to play on the on the right necessarily of a midfield three. He could play in the ten role if we were to go down that route. I don't think we will. But but yes, if we're going to have a three, having someone like Saka who always wants to drive on and, and take up those pockets between the lines would work would work very very well I mean the exciting thing is that we've got Martinelli to come back in in sort of Christmas time and I do feel that that he's someone that might make a big difference to us and really enliven our forward line with his energy either on from the left or or even down down the middle and I'm, I'm quite excited to see Saka and Martinelli and Aubameyang um, combining moving forwards. But yeah, Saka can definitely play uh, as one of the three in central midfield. Um, he, he Remember, he has. It has been. But but the the problem has been that, that Arteta has, has sort of put a lot of demands on him when we lose the ball that he needs to get back into that wing-back position. And yeah. um, th that's not going to help him be the sort of attacking midfielder that we want him to be. So um, yeah, again... I want him in that midfield position, but with less defensive responsibilities. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Just a quick reminder, guys. Um, 
for those of you watching us live and to those watching back or listening back, this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com. Uh, so if you want to get your grooming in check, head over to manscaped.com. Enter the uh, discount code, which is Chronicles AFC, all in capitals, all in one word. You'll see it rolling across the bottom of your screen now. You'll get 20% off of your order and you will get free UK shipping. Um, so do check it out. And a big thanks to Manscaped as well, who have uh, extended the deal with us, which is fantastic news. Um, so thank you to those guys. But thank you first and foremost to you lot, because if you weren't buying the stuff, they wouldn't have extended the deal. Let's be honest. So thank you uh, to each and every one of you. This is uh, the lawnmower 3.0. There you go. Listen to that buzz. It's even got a light, so you don't miss any dark bits. There you go. Alex, top check it out. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, check it out. Check out manscaped.com. And a big thank you to those guys once again. Uh, just a couple more questions for you, Adrian. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw your way. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, you do more and I'll just do shorter answers. Sorry for waffling. Yeah, no, 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 no worries. They're, they're great answers. They're full answers. That's what we like to hear. Um, let me just pick some out because there are so many. I want to kind of... Okay touch on things that we maybe haven't necessarily touched on just yet uh, here's a good one from francis francis asks do you think that the and he puts him in, in bracket in uh, quote marks lack of competition in the goalkeeping area is to blame for burned leno's substandard performances of late mm. <laughs> well he wasn't too substandard against liverpool um that was only two or three games ago um yeah. i don't think he's been as bad as people are making out obviously he didn't have a good night in austria i mean against yeah. rapid vienna it was an off night against leicester i don't think he did too much wrong apart from that one loose kick um so no i'm not worried about leno but but of course you need competition for places, and 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 I'm not not convinced that Rudison will really play. Um, so so it's it's one of those situations where I I believe Arsenal might have been looking to sign another backup goalkeeper and maybe use Rudison as, as the third choice, and and that didn't didn't happen for for one reason or another. So so yeah, look, it, it is what it is. Um, at least he he doesn't need to look over his shoulder too much. I just hope he doesn't become complacent. I don't think he will be. What do you make of this whole sort of this uh, this Mikel Arteta thing of you're my number one and every time you're available, you're going to play regardless of the competition? Because it's not something we're used to as Arsenal fans. Wenger used to change the goalkeepers. Emery used to change the goalkeepers for certain competitions and to try and keep everybody happy. Do you kind of agree with the approach of you're my number one, therefore, if you're available, you should play? Well, well I do. If you, if you don't have a really strong number two, then absolutely, yeah, just pick your best team. Uh, well, goalkeepers, it's different, isn't it, for keepers? With, with the, you know, they're not going to get too much fatigue. Only mental fatigue really affects keepers. So, so yeah, they can play every single match of a 60-match of a season. No problem, in my, in my opinion. I think when you've got two really good goalkeepers, it, it, it makes sense to, to rotate. But no, I was always one, and I've, I've been fairly consistent on this. I was never a fan of, of playing the number two especially in big cup games, because I just thought, yeah. why, why weaken your team when you don't have to? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, Matthew Simpson asks, do you think Smith Rowe could do a job in the midfield? He's a creative player, makes those late runs into the box like Ramsey used mm. to, something we really lack. I'd love to think so, yeah. I, I, I really like Emil Smith-Rowe. I think he's uh, instinctively brilliant at times, um, can score goals. We've seen that. Um, my fear is that Mikel might 
use him as one of the wide forwards, which I don't think would really suit him because um, I just don't think he's at his most effective in in, in those on the wings, basically. I, I like him in central areas where he can make those late runs into the box. He could, he could, he's got what he's got to prove to, to Mikel Arteta is that he can be trusted without the ball. And that's a big, big deal. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe is, is excellent on the ball and he can make things happen no matter what level he's playing at. And he's really skillful. But he was on the bench a few times for Huddersfield on loan, particularly in away games. Now, I've suffered this fate myself. I know I know the feeling because I was better going forward than I was without the ball as well. And and, and sometimes I was left out of away games and it, and it drove me mad. But, but there's a reason for it. So that is the big question mark. Can he fit into a midfield three and be trusted to, 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 to get into the positions that the manager needs him to? If he can, then we've got a real player on our hands. I think that that is possibly going to make or break his Arsenal career because I've got no doubt that on the ball, he's more than good enough. It's what he does without it. And the fact that Arsenal have kept him there tells you a lot, doesn't it, about what Mikel Arteta thinks of the lad because there was an approach from Huddersfield Town again as we learned after the transfer window closed. So there yeah. was interest again in Emil Smith-Rowe, but Arsene, mm. uh, Arsene, I, I've been reading Arsene's book. I've got Arsene on my mind. Arteta decided to keep him. So that, I guess that should yeah. take something from that. He's a natural number 10. He's sort of a free role type player, but but they're, they're out of fashion, aren't they? And they're certainly, yeah. I don't see Arsenal using that type of player at the moment. So, so yeah, it's, um, it, yeah, I, I just go back to my point. On the ball, he can, he can definitely be a huge asset, but can he be trusted to, to get back and, and to do the defensive shift that Arteta requires? Yeah, for sure. That is the big question. Just one final one uh, from Abhishek Chowdhury. He says, uh, do you think the fans would have had an influence on how we play, even out from the back or the lack of urgency sometimes? It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, n none of us can tell. But yeah, in, ge in general, I would, I would imagine so. I mean, in terms of the playing out from the back, it can probably put the players off. I would imagine that we'd be more comfortable playing out from the back with no crowd. Yeah, um, sure. so, so, so yeah, I've got, I've got no worries about that in terms of, uh, of it being a problem in, terms, in regards to the urgency. It shouldn't because I mean, Mikel Arteta's barking instructions had them all game long, isn't he? But yeah, I do feel that, that you get a real lift. And, and I always felt like I'd run a, I could run a yard faster in front of a full stadium. And, and, and it just pushes you to, to, yeah, to, to to go to your maximum, and and it can feel like a training game, can't it? The uh, behind closed doors, and and that that was the fear all along. And I, I, what I think we're really missing at the moment is these drinks breaks, because Arteta was very good, wasn't he, yeah, uh, at, at sort point. of recalibrating the team midway through each half, and we seem to see a big uplift every single time. What he's struggling to do is get those same messages across during the, a 45 minutes that, that's uninterrupted. I think that's something that, that maybe he's got to look at finding a way to get those messages across clearer uh, or as clearly as he did during those drinks breaks. But yeah, look, I can't wait for fans to come back. It's, it's, it's driving me mad that, that these matches continue to be played in completely empty stadiums. We understand it'll only be 3,000, 5,000 at Emirates Stadium to start with, but I feel that we're ready for that right now. I don't know what yeah. we're waiting for. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's even more frustrating, isn't it, when you watch football in other countries, yeah, yeah. and in particularly Italy, 
um, because Italy were a country who were hit just as hard, mm. um, if not harder, by the coronavirus. Mm. Yet they've got to a point where they've got some fans in the ground. And I was watching, um, I think it was Cagliari against Crotone on Sunday. I know it's not a, a blockbuster <laughs> of a game, but yeah. yeah, I'm a massive Serie A fan. And just having a few fans in the stadium, yeah. it, it really uh, made a difference. It's yeah, just, and the trials work, the trial games work. There's only a thousand at certain games in the championship and, and they made plenty enough, enough noise. It made a difference. I just feel that the government in this country have a, an issue with football fans. They don't trust them. They don't think that they can behave. Can you remember during lockdown when 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 the fixture list came out and and whatnot? The big worry with the police and the government in this country was that fans would crowd around the stadiums without being I mean, able to what, go to the game. What yeah. a load of nonsense! What garbage thought process that was. Has any fan turned up at a, a ground outside? You know, outside the ground. I mean, it's it's daft. You, you watch it on the telly, don't you? It's not, <laughs> you don't, it's, you're not going to get much of an experience standing outside Emirates Stadium last night. So there are no brick walls. <laughs> yeah. So I just feel that, 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 it's, that there's an issue there where they don't trust football fans to 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 act properly, and that is so so wrong. I believe that, that that football fans in this country should be given a lot more respect and credit, and and they would abide by the rules. I'm sure once they are allowed back in. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. I think it's something that needs to happen sooner rather than later. Um, not just from sort of financial reasons in terms of helping some of the clubs that really, really need that additional revenue, but just from a mental health perspective as well. I mean, you know, for me, not being able to go to football is a massive change in my routine. Mm. I, I now feel like sometimes, you know, when you're you're working from home all the time now as well, mm. It feels like you you need to get out. You need mm-hmm. to do something. You need to something to get up and like you can sit around. Like I'm in a tracksuit now. You can lounge mm-hmm. around in a tracksuit all day, but you need something to get you moving, and and you need that. I, I just and, I, and yeah, football football is such a big part of the community. Such a big part of many many people's lives, families' lives, and and it's all being put on hold. And we know the reasons why, and and we res- respect that. But but I feel the time has come. If, if you're going to allow people into into theatres and into club rooms to watch football even then it's just it's just a complete it's completely yeah. farcical and you're not allowed into a huge expansive outdoor stadium where you exactly. can spread out no problem so um yeah let's let's hope they see sense sooner rather than later the, the players must be missing it terribly because yeah, yeah it, it, it part of the buzz of being a professional footballer is entertaining the fans and it, it can feel just a little bit soulless when it's, you know, they know that millions are watching on TV or in last night's case, not, not millions because not of the pay per view. But they, they, they know people are watching, but it just doesn't feel the same. That adrenaline rush is gone. And, and maybe for some of, some of our players, that's, that's been an issue. I don't know. Yeah. Could well be, could well be. Um, Adrian, a massive thank you to you once again for taking the time out to come and join me um, on the show. It is very, very much appreciated. How can people keep up with you on social media and keep up with the excellent work that you do? Oh, right. Yeah, thank you. No, it's always a pleasure to come on. Well, my Twitter handle is Adrian J. Clark with an E. Um, yeah, did lots of stuff. Obviously, did the breakdown, did the breakdown live across each match day. So we're back on, on Thursday for that one. Uh, Dundalk, isn't it, at home? 
um yes yeah, really good coverage that we produce around each game and, and yeah various bits and pieces across the network you'll see me plug in very plug in various bits of writing and podcasts that that i appear on during the week but yeah it's um it's, it's frustrating for all of us isn't it at the moment where we can't get out and about as much but what what we do it doesn't really feel like work we, we, we're writing and talking about football it's it doesn't get a lot better than that does it Exactly. It could be worse. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Big thank you to every single one of you guys who has joined, uh, tuned in and joined us. Uh, thank you to everyone who's already liked the video. But if you haven't already done it, make sure you do it before we lock it off. Subscribe to the channel if you are new and we'll be back very, very soon. In fact, we'll be back in around about 20 minutes with this week's edition of The Social Club. We normally do that on Tuesdays, but unfortunately, due to other commitments, I can't do it tomorrow. So we're going to make sure we get that done tonight for you. So those of you who are ready for it on your audio feeds in the, uh, on a Wednesday morning, you're going to get it on Tuesday morning this time. Uh, so come and join us for that as well. Right. Take care and uh, stay safe. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.